When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome into the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download their app. Be sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Happy Wednesday. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. Joined by my guy, Will the Goat Gottlieb. Will underscore Gottlieb is his Twitter handle. Our pal and producer, Joey Spathis. And joining us in studio, a familiar face for all you Bulls fans out there, Sean Hyken. Woo! Follow him on Twitter at Hyken. Welcome back, buddy. I think think the last time I was in here was almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, it was last spring, right? When you were visiting. So, so yeah, what brings you to town, Sean? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. The team that I cover, the Portland Trailblazers, might have had some stuff happen. Some stuff happened. Maybe. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you can catch Sean's work covering the Blazers these days at his Rose Garden Report. Check it out. And for Bulls fans who might be wondering if the Bulls and Blazers might be making some deals this summer, uh, subscribe to Rose Garden Report podcasting newsletters. You probably also remember him from the early days of The Athletic when you two were colleagues we with The were, Athletic Chicago. I've been, I've been colleagues with Will and you were you and you were a baton and, passer to me at Locked On Bulls. Jordan Malley that you Jordan were Malley, with. shout out yeah, to Jordan. The, after you know, after Cody and I stopped doing Locked On, you right? Were, you moved Cody to, yeah, Westerland and you, the OG OGs of the Locked On Bulls podcast. Two of us. I actually just saw Cody earlier today. Yeah, shout out to Cody. Yeah, uh, and now uh, Locked On Bulls being held down by our guys uh, Pat the Designer and uh, CEO Hayes. Shout out to them as well. Uh, always nice when you pass through uh, town, Sean. Obviously. It was for the Combine Mm -hmm. and the NBA Draft Lottery. You guys were both in the drawing room last Mm -hmm. night. So let's start there. We'll talk uh, off-season trades and all that fun stuff later on in today's show, but I wanted to start with that experience. Was it the first time for both of you that you were in the actual room where the ping-pong balls and the drawing gets gets done? Yeah, I've, I've covered the lottery before, and usually what that entails is you get a credential and you get to be in the audience for what they show on TV where, like, Mark Tatum, the deputy commissioner, is holding up the names, the envelopes, and the team reps are on stage and that kind of stuff. That's usually what it is when you're covering the lottery. But there's a smaller amount of media that they invite into the actual back room. Right. Where they actually draw the ping pong balls. And they what they do for those people is they take away our phones or any way that we have of communicating with the outside world. So that yes, that there, there you see it. It's on the screen. Thank I you, didn't Joey. have a picture of for those watching picture. on YouTube. There's a picture that Will you took of that 
very nondescript package that they have what, you put your phone in. And what, yeah, what that is is as we're leaving, you know, as we're going into the room, we have to put our phone, our, you know, I have Apple Watch, put, you put that in there. Anything that could be used, we're allowed to bring in a notebook and a pen. But That's nothing that it. can communicate with nothing the outside that, world. And so then, and basically. Unfortunately, I tried to smoke signal you guys <laughs> in case you wanted to place any DraftKings bets. Absolutely. But so. Basically, they let a handful of media members in there basically just to be like, see, look, there's no way this thing could be rigged. And I, I, I got to say, it did its job because I watched them do it. Having seen the, I know all the jokes. I know the frozen envelope stuff is fun to talk about. Right. Having actually watched this, and I'm sure Will agrees with me, having watched this in person and having seen how thorough they are and making sure that like everybody knows every single step of everything and everything being above board, there is no way the league could possibly ring this. There's no way. And that was exactly where I was going to. Just seeing the actual machine, and um, I think his name was Micah Day. Uh-huh. Who, and I wrote, I wrote this in my story coming out of last night, so if you're interested in like the full breakdown, go check that out. I just tweeted a link. Um, but you can also find it on allchgo.com. Uh, just like the way the mixing took place, where yeah. Micah was standing in the back, and he had a stopwatch, and every 10 seconds he would raise his hand, and that would indicate that it was time for another ping pong ball to come shooting out of the top of this machine. And he and would do that over he and had, over. He had his back turned to the machine, so he couldn't even see the number on the ball that was coming out. They, have got, wow. they go so far above and beyond to make sure that every single part of this is above board and that there's nothing that is ambiguous at all. Like they, they are making sure that you can't even like hint at the idea that maybe there could be some shenanigans this is, going This on. is not what NBA fan conspiracy theorists want to hear, you guys. People want to believe that it's rigged. Although, I, I mean, I was saying on last night's uh, live show reacting to it, like, if the, if the league was going to rig it, the Spurs, small market team like that? Well, but, I mean, I think the Spurs wouldn't be last on the list. I mean, San Antonio... You know, they have a long history of international players. I That's think a lot true. of they have and a big French. When they played for Tony Parker, they, team, the Spurs, right? I was talking, there was a French reporter in the room with us last night. I was talking to him. He said that by far the most popular team in France among NBA fans is right. the Spurs because of Tony Parker. Right. So, like, Shout there is that. To our friends over at Trash Talk, who we met on our Paris trip. I personally. Big Spurs fans. I personally would argue. Maybe this is a self-interested standpoint because of what it would have done for my career if it had gone a different <laughs> way. And by the way, Portland was one digit off of it getting it. The number one? Both number one and number two. Oh. But I would argue you put him with Dame. That's the best day one basketball situation. Yeah, could be. So, but no, I think, uh, I mean, again, again, Will and I have both talked about this in detail. There is no possible way this thing could have been rigged. I, so, once the so you what, explain that further the whole like ten every ten seconds he raises his hand and does somebody like press a button that shoots a ping pong yeah, ball so out? That's pretty that 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 sounds kind of crazy. Pretty that's much pretty exactly. So it. basically, so there's fourteen ping pong balls and they're numbered one through fourteen. Right. And they put them into the machine. And by the way, another way of like them being super overboard about it, like being above board. They hold the ball up, one. Ping pong ball, number Every one. single person in the room has to verify, yes, this is one. We see that this is number one. They drop two, it in the bucket. Three. Like, they're making sure everybody is on the same page, that this is exactly what's going on. We're not hiding anything from anybody. And then what they do is, so there are a thousand combinations. Right. And every team is assigned. Of four numbers, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, of four numbers. Every team is assigned a certain number of combinations. So, like... 
the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Pistons were the three teams that had the best odds. Of them. They had the 14% chance, so they had 140 out of the 1,000 combinations each. Right. The Blazers had a 10.5% chance, so they had 105 combinations. So what they would then do is in the 10-second intervals, they would draw four balls out, read the numbers off, and the team that had that combination of numbers was assigned that pick. Was assigned that And pick. then they feed the balls back into the thing and do it and again. And it was it actually kind of again. funny because, like, the first three went off without a hitch. They, you know, San Antonio won, Charlotte two, Portland three. And then they drew out another San Antonio combination, which picks. meant they had to feed it back in and just do it over, throw that one out. And then a Charlotte one came out. And then finally after that, they fed it back in. And then finally a Houston one came out. So, like, they basically repeat the process as many times as they have to until they have four different Until teams. they draw a team that has not been drawn Correct. yet in the previous picks. Yeah. So that's how, that's how it unfolded. By the way... I know you guys are upset about, uh, you know, the Bulls not moving The up. logos in the envelopes? Imagine <laughs> how mad Detroit must be. They had the number one odd. They had the worst record in the league. They won 17 games. Yeah. They dropped back four spots to five. That is brutal. That's Well, so they dropped back two spots for being in the top three, which, you know, the, the odds are the same for the three worst teams. That's still brutal. Whether though. you're the Pistons' worst, worst record at 17 sure, yeah. wins or, you know, yeah, Houston yeah, yeah. and San Antonio. But, yes. Uh, that is true, and and Big Dave and I were sitting here last night saying, "Thank goodness it wasn't Detroit." Like, I, I didn't want Webby to go anywhere other than the Bulls, obviously. Well, but- so let's so let's talk about this. What 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 like like let's say let's remove the let's say let's say out of the top seven teams. So let's remove like the one whatever percent chance the Bulls had. Let's say let's like out of the top seven teams. So which would be the team that you would least want him to go to? Because I have a couple of answers. So for Bulls fans, I would think Detroit is at the top of that list because you don't want They're Wemby in, division, in your right? division. Yeah. You don't want to play Wemby four or five times a season. So Pacers as Pacers well. Pacers as well. But from you... a pure basketball standpoint, you know, Wemby, Cade, Jaden Ivey, like that's not a terrible nucleus for like No, which as a Bulls fan, I don't sure. want. Um, to me, it's Houston and Charlotte. I did not want either of them. Yeah, those are the two. Just because they did not have the karma to deserve it. It's not in even my about opinion. the. It's not even about the karma. Those are just terrible basketball situations. Right, it's both it's and both. basketball organizations. They're terrible organizations. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad it wasn't Detroit. I'm also glad it wasn't the Rockets. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see what he does in San Antonio. There's what, some interesting. What was crazy there. to me was when I was reading the Zach Lowe article where he uh-huh. sort of post published everything that was going on inside the room. Yeah. How there was at one point 11 balls like left for the final thing and six of them would have been the Wizards yeah, winning the entire lottery. That's rough. And it was like, it was very heavily stacked towards the Wizards winning. And where they end up? Six? Seven? Uh, they, no, they, staged, they stood where they were. So everything eight, was eight, chalk eight? until Portland moved into the top four. Portland was the only team that didn't have one of the four worst records that moved up. Yeah. So, as someone who covers the Blazers in that drawing room, did you were you allowed to have any sort of audible reaction to this happening, or were you just sitting there very stoic? And it was like, oh, pretty quiet that. in there. So, like, I was actually joking about this earlier with uh, Sergey Oliva, who's the uh, the Blazers' assistant general manager, who was their representative in the room. Because every team, in addition to having who they had on stage, every team had somebody in the room also. Right. And Sergi was joking with me about, like, how he was going to go crazy if they got number one. And he asked me, like, am I also going to go crazy? And I told him, like, 
it's cute and funny and cool when a front office executive loses their mind when their team gets the number one overall pick. A media member who's supposed to cover this stuff objectively, would it would probably not, the optics of that would not be great. Right. Not be, but, some, but I remember the footage of the Pelicans people when, when they Alvin, got yeah, the well, Zion Al, Yeah, it was, Al, it was Alvin that was in the room. Yep. And yeah. It was actually really funny was, uh, I mean, you guys watched it on TV. Uh, like, uh, Brian Wright, who is the Spurs general manager, is the number two behind RC in that organization. Uh, he was the Spurs rep in the room. When they called San Antonio, and again, this was like an hour before it was actually shown on TV, he barely moved. He like did a little fist pump, but he did, wasn't like going crazy. And then you guys saw on, you know, the telecast, what you guys saw on ESPN, when the Spurs were the number one pick, uh, Peter Holt, the, the owner's son, was absolutely losing his mind. Yeah. So like, it I mean. It was a little underwhelming in there. I thought like, you know, the Alvin Gentry thing, became sort of a viral moment because of how crazy he went. But, like, this is a big deal. I was expecting a this little bit more. This is the biggest draft lottery since LeBron. Yeah. Which is what you expect reactions to be high from yeah. the people representing the organizations who are there and are the ones who, who cash in that winning ticket. I'm not going to lie and say I had absolutely no emotional reaction to the results because, again, even if you're not a fan of I, – I, you know, my, my role is being some beat writer that covers the team, not be a fan of the team. Yeah. But you still have to think about your own self-interest and you, what it would, like, if... if Covering the Blazers is a much more lucrative and interesting job if Victor Wembanyama gets drafted yes. there in a month. Yes. But, and so, you know, the air kind of came out of my, you know, area of the room a little bit when San Antonio's name was called. But then when they moved up to three, I was like, okay, I can work with this. Yeah, this that's is- literally exactly what he said. I was sitting right next to him. <laughs> I can work with this. I can yeah, work with this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because you mentioned all the combinations um, and the percent chance. The Bulls had 18 of the 1,000, 1. 1.8%. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Joey, I don't know if you have the picture, but I took a picture of the possible oh, numbers. The, the and at one point, yeah. I, I believe it was their sixth or seventh go-around because as Sean mentioned, um, they tried it three times. They got the three picks, and then they had a, a fourth one that was a repeat, so they had to redo it, a fifth one that was a repeat. And at one point, they called, like, 7 and 13, which were common numbers of the Bulls' 18. So I was like, mm-hmm. uh-oh, mm-hmm. could they be moving up here? And then mm-hmm. quickly, that was not the case. Um, but, yeah, I think the the big takeaway for me, and I'm sure you agree with this, is there's a reason why they – do the whole song and dance the way that they do it on TV. Yeah. Because in there, yes, it's, it's exciting, but the first combination that they read is for the first pick. They can't, so, they yeah. don't count it down. The, they, they, they get, this is the number one pick and then the two and the three and the four. So it's, right. it's anticlimactic. And it's also like, it's literally like, what would it take? Like five, seven minutes maybe to do all of the combinations. And then they're going to have to fill airtime. Whereas with, you know, the TV broadcast, the way they do it, you can, uh, you know, you know, interview each of the individual like lottery reps and have them right. on stage, count it down in dramatic fashion, count down up until number They've five. They got the music playing in the background, and yeah. then do a commercial break between the fifth and the top four. Right, like like you, they make it into a whole TV presentation, and they have like Malika there to like interact with Mark Tatum, like like that, like and like the whole ESPN like countdown crew or whatever, like. The, what they show on TV is much better TV than what we saw on the Right, and, and I think that's why, because a, a lot of NBA fans who are the conspiracy theorist type, who do believe that it's rigged or is sometimes rigged or could be rigged, are like, just put a camera. 
in that back room. Uh, you know what, camera. though? You can't. I've go. heard recently, like I think, it's like on, on Twitter last night or this morning. It's there. If you go to the NBA's YouTube channel, yes, you can watch a thing. live feed. Yes, the entire of the numbers thing. You being can, pulled. If you go, if you go into YouTube right now and tie, I mean, don't go right now. Wait until you're finished watching the CHGO show. Wait until you finish watching us, and then the next thing you need to do when we finish up is go on YouTube and type in. 2023 NBA draft lottery and there's like there's two videos there's the one that I think is on the ESPN page where it's like what was shown on TV you can watch that but the one on the NBA's channel I think it's like 15 minutes long or something right and they show the entire like every part of it like they show like Byron Spurl, who's the team, the league's uh, head of league operations, who yeah. like runs this type of stuff, explaining it like they show the whole like inserting the ping pong balls one by one into the thing, and all of them getting drawn. Like the entire thing is on YouTube. You can watch it. You can decide for yourself. I again, both Will and I were in the room. We can vouch for it, it was completely above board. It was completely not. There was nothing shady. No going. funny business. None at all. <sighs> it's disappointing. You want to be able to believe that there's funny business, but uh, I guess for the sake of no uh, peace of mind, it's good to know. But okay, real quick, and then we could take our, our first break and then move on to some interesting stuff about what the Blazers are going to do with this number three pick and how it might affect the Bulls. We had a little freak out moment on our show last night because... <laughs> I saw this. Just as it was two years ago, and I had forgotten they do it this way, because who the hell actually stores memories up there that are that menial? Instead of revealing a Bulls logo... They reveal a magic logo. And then under it, I actually rewatched it this morning and noticed, because I was like, well, why? You know, they should put that on the sign. Turns out they did. <laughs> it said in lettering under the magic logo, like from the Bulls via trade. I didn't notice. As Dave and I were sitting here watching, all we saw was Mark Tatum unveiling not a Bulls logo. All well, I saw fair, was. The TV's pretty small. It's, it's a, far, a small TV away. up in the corner. It was on mute because we were doing a live show. There are plenty of excuses for why we took debate for a half a second. And then once we took debate, we were bounding around. But why do they do it that way? Why? I do not understand. They have an envelope. They have a logo for the teams. Like, the Magic had their own lottery pick. So well, instead of a, a Magic logo that says, pick from Bulls, why not just leave it as a Bulls logo and then underneath it put, pick going to Magic to prevent all of the headache and heartache the Bulls fans endured last night. Well, the thing is, what was the Magic's pick? Six? Yeah. Whereas the Bulls were at 11, so the and thing so Bulls fans to... were hoping to not see the Bulls logo when they got to 11. Well, the thing that you have to know, though, is that it's literally impossible right. for the Magic's own pick to, to be 11 because you can from, only fall back only four, four spots from your position. So right. I understand that. In the heat of the moment, no, with I hear my you. brain doing I, that, you know what? You know what, though, no. you know what, though? I respect that Like <laughs> once this viral moment happened, and like I saw the tweet. I didn't watch the show live because I was obviously in the room. Yeah. I saw the tweet of the video of you guys going crazy. I saw all the quote tweets about how do you guys not know the rules? I respect that you guys are just like leaning into it and we're like, yeah, we had Whatever, an emotional man. reaction in there. We were fans caught up in the moment. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it I was think, I thought it was a good piece of television. I think the other way to think about it though is not that this was the Bulls pick that would go to the Magic if it was outside the top four. It was this is the Magic's pick that would go to the Bulls if it was in the top four because they had traded it I away. I guess that is a different way to <laughs> look at it. That's one way to it. spin it. Is, it yeah. is a pick owned by the Magic unless, unless it is protected it in the, the top four. Yeah. Put a picture of the Bulls logo with an arrow 
to the magic yeah. logo. Like, illustrate it more clearly. So, how so could you fit both logos on one square? It's card, a big Joey. square. That's I'm just so that's what room, I'm saying. No, like, I know. After after they did all the drawing, there was like you know the immediate reaction. Afterwards, the people that were you know pulling out the ping pong balls sat down at a table with the placards and the envelopes that you saw on the telecast. And they would, you know, a lot of people were, a lot of the media were talking to the executives, but they would hold up the placard of the team logo and the envelope with the number on it and say, San Antonio is going in the one. And then close it, put the sticker on it. And so and it was like Ernst and Young higher ups who were there, like certifying that everything was. But again, just making sure that there was not any funny business going on. We're showing the media, we're showing the camera, we're showing, you know, the executives here. Um, but so at that point, like, I mean, they could have just printed out a, a placard with both options. Like, the Bulls get one, the Bulls keep their pick, and the Bulls trade goes right. to the Magic. I'm sure they but had a Bulls because placard it ended ready up, to go. Right. Because if it they ended jumped. up as the Magic's pick, they put inside the envelope as the Magic's pick. I hate it. I hate it. They need to change it. That's, that's all I got to say about that. We could have avoided that. Because I came into last night with no hope and no optimism. Big Dave was here. Big Dave was like, we're, we may not get Wemby, but we're getting top four for sure. He was feeling those vibes. I was like, I'm not. And then I got duped and had to go through that roller coaster of emotion for nothing. <laughs> Stupid. Um, <laughs> but here we are. We live to fight another day. All right, let's take our first ad break, and then we'll come back and dive into some Blazers trade talk with that number three pick while we're doing that everybody watching along on youtube do us a quick easy favor hit that thumbs up button and if you aren't already make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well to get alerts anytime we or anybody in our chgo sports fam go live on our youtube channel uh, you ready to do some ad reading will I know that you occasionally do it when you're doing HQs with Mark, but I, it's like Big I'm, Dave's not in the middle chair. I'm really disappointed. Big Dave's off today, that, by the way. He'll be back. I don't, I'm really disappointed I'm not going to get to see another Big Dave ad read in person. Those are <laughs> Guess you'll just have to come back. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. I'll lead things off uh, thanking our wonderful friends at the Goose Island Beer Company. Chicago's beer since 1988. A wonderful variety of beers to choose from when you're having your cookouts, your hangouts this summer, enjoying that beautiful Chicago weather. You've got the Goose IPA, which we were sipping on during the lottery last night. Six-time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest. Always in style. Citrus aroma and a bold hoppy finish. You got this new Pilsner that they just came out with. The Pocket Pills, an everyday beer. It's what brewers are drinking. It's what I'm drinking right now. Plus, of course, the big fan favorite among Chicagoans, the 312 Wheat Ale, always a good choice in the summertime. And that line of beer hug IPAs that are also new, including that tropical beer hug, the Dry Hopped Imperial IPA. 9.9% on that bad boy. Watch yourself, but they are delicious. So grab yourself an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Ave in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Goose Island Beer Company, they're Chicago's beer. Hey, Joey. Oh, he's not even he's on warming the up. mic. He's warming up. <laughs> I was getting some water. Want to do a little... Want to chat I have returned to chat about the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. <laughs> because I love it so much. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve helping maintain energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future. That's right, Joseph. 
ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. Well, how does it work? I'd be happy to tell you, Joseph. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Hmm. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project cost, potential incentives, and simple payback. So if you own a business, do not wait. Get started saving money and energy and monergy today. Monergy. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. Well, was that comed.com slash powering biz? It sure was. Get it scheduled today, folks. Comed would love you. Boom diggity. Uh, all right, moving right along. That was good, by the way, Will. Thanks, you did dude, a good I job with that. I, I, I was impressed. It. it almost was as, as if good as you. you have done that with Joey all the time. I closed my eyes, and I, I didn't quite hear Big Dave, but it was like, <laughs> it was like you're, you're getting into the realm. If I'm even in the same yeah. sentence, I've won. Yeah, Big Dave's not allowed to do the comment one. This is true. Uh, because... He, uh, he likes to ad lib a lot in his ad reads, <laughs> and they had a, a more specific request for a more uh, okay. traditional delivery. Okay, um, sure, yeah. Which is a shame because honestly, Big Dave should do every ad read, even when he's not here. I should have just called him and made him talk into the microphone. You could, like use you could like, you're, like the like you know how like they put out like the Drake the Weekend AI song. They could do like an AI Big Dave doing these ad reads for when he's not here. I, you know what? Maybe that's where he is right now. We don't know. Um, all right, guys, let's let's talk pre-draft trade possibilities. Uh, Bulls fans now, with the results of last night's lottery, do not have a first-round pick, don't also have a second-round pick currently. Correct. If they wanted to get back in to this pretty talented 23 draft class between now and June when the draft takes place, people have been talking, Sean, about the fact that the Blazers, who had their lottery-protected pick, that they kept instead of conveying to the Bulls because they themselves found uh, were in the lottery last night, that maybe if convincing Dame to stay involved, making aggressive moves to put more win-now talent around him, different win-now talent around him, that they could make some deal with the Bulls to essentially give that pick now before, uh, before then being able to be the stepping-in rule trade other future draft capital, which they can't do while they still owe this pick to the Bulls. Now that they have jumped up to the number three spot in last night's lottery, is that in play as something that they might be looking to deal to get star caliber talent to join Dame in Portland? I think it's more... Nothing is certain. And a year ago, I was convinced that they were going to trade the number seven pick for the same reason, I, they they had pretty serious discussions on draft night last year about with Toronto about uh, OG Ananobi, like and then they ended up not trading the pick and taking Shaden Sharp, and so that was a little bit of a departure from that. This time, I think is a especially you know they tried the quote unquote two timelines thing where you're going to have a bunch of young play. I mean the Bulls have tried that in the past too, where like right. you have a bunch of young players, but then you also the have my vets versus it doesn't work. Everybody kind of sees it doesn't work. 
I think now they know it really doesn't work. I don't think anything is 100%, but I would be very surprised if the Blazers select and then keep a player with the number three pick. I think if they had gotten number one, obviously they would have taken Victor Wembanyama because no GM is trading Victor Wembanyama. But if the pick wasn't one, the plan was always to trade it. And jumping up from five to three is not the worst thing in the world when it comes to the value of that pick. So let me ask you this, because I think before you can even start to have those conversations, it would you say like, what's your sort of level of certainty as far as they're going to stick with the Damian Lillard timeline? Because we've seen that reported a couple different places, yourself included, yeah. as opposed to trading Dame and just going all in because now you've got Anthony Simons, you've got Shaden Sharp, you've got the third pick, you've got the 23rd pick. That that That's a potential pathway in itself. So what, what do you think the likelihood is that they go the build-around-Dame route as opposed to the younger kind of reboot? The only way they're going to trade Dame is if he asks for it. And I have not heard anything would suggest that that's possible. In fact, from what I heard is he's apparently pretty fired up that they moved up because that's a better pick to trade. But, you know, they're all, everybody's on the same page, I believe, in the organization with him. And, you know, I mean, this season, like they went into this past season. I remember, I actually remember this. I was on with you guys a year ago and we were talking about the pick that the Blazers eventually owe to the Bulls. Right. And I was saying both the Bulls and the Blazers would like for the pick to convey in 2023. Portland entered this season. I mean, you saw they traded for Jeremy Grant. Right. They went into this season intending to make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it didn't end up going that way, and they went the other way. But Chauncey Billups... Sorry to interject. You're saying you are allowed to pivot once your season's not going the way you want it to and then steer towards the lottery? It's a thing that... You're allowed to do that? It's a thing that can happen. Somebody alert the Bulls! It's a a thing that can happen, but uh, Chauncey Billups has talked before about how miserable he was at the end of his first season as a head coach, like knowing that he was going to lose all those. Like nobody in the organization, I mean, you can kind of break it down and say, okay, maybe technically, objectively, asset-wise, the best thing to do is to trade Dame and get a bunch of like picks and young players back. Nobody wants to, they did not plan on tanking or, you know, being in the lottery this year. Nobody wants multiple years in a row of that in order to maybe one day get a player as good as Damian Lillard. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. I, to, I totally understand kind of where, I mean, I, I said this on Twitter earlier. Usually, I mean, th- there are sometimes like, there are some teams that are just totally stuck where, like, like the Wizards, the Wizards should trade Bradley Beal if, if they can find a team to take him. That, because yeah. that's just, they have no, they have nothing. They have no anything. But like, how dare you? They have Daniel Gafford. <laughs> you know, but to me, for the most part, in my view, and this is something like I, my, my thinking on this has evolved because I used to, when I was younger, I used to be a big like all about like the assets and make sure you maximize. Like To me, trading your star, I mean, it's one thing if he asked for it. Dame has been with, you know, the Blazers for so long. If he were to go to them and say, look, it's time, I think they would work with him and be willing to, you know, do right by him and send him somewhere he wants to go and try to get something back. Again, yeah. that's not something that has been talked about as of right now. But the idea of proactively trading him without him asking for it for a bunch of picks and young players, mm-hmm. whether it's him, I'm just because we're talking about him, usually what that is, it's not so much, like I think the thing a lot of fans don't understand who aren't you know in this the way that you know Will and I are at these games talking to people, most general managers 
number one goal is not to win a championship. It is to keep their own job. And if you trade your star player for picks and young players and like the package, it you can buy you, you, you buy yourself time. five years of job security because you can go to ownership and say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, uh, you know, you can't fire me. We're in the you got to let me see this rebuild through. That buys you five years of job security. And I actually kind of and kind of on, on that note, Portland is the rare situation. We're getting a little bit in the weeds here, but Portland is the rare situation where the trade Dame and blow it up and rebuild thing is not the best thing for their general manager's job security because I still think that sometime within the next year or two, the team is going to be sold. Yeah. And let's say that, you know, let's just say for the, for the uh, sake of argument, Phil Knight buys the team because that's the name that's been rumored and that's out there, and that is who I believe is ultimately going to be the one that buys the team. Nike, he, Phil Knight. Yes. Okay. He buys the team. They've traded Dame. They're in the early stages of this rebuild. Why is he going to keep the general manager that he had nothing to do with hiring when the team isn't very good? Yeah. So if you're Joe Cronin, their general manager, Phil Knight buys the team, you have Dame plus whoever they trade the third pick for, and your team is competitive, the new owner is probably just going to let you keep your thing going for a while, and then that's more job security for you. So this is like the rare time where trading your star and blowing it up and starting a rebuild is not the job security move for the GM. Yeah. So I think Bulls fans before last night's lottery results were maybe thinking just to mix something up this offseason, change the roster in some way, and add young talent to it, we could get we could convince the Blazers with some leverage to give us the pick they have coming from the Knicks, which is the 23rd, 23rd pick yes. in this draft. Is, is there any logical world in which maybe the Bulls front office, if they are interested in making big moves, aim a little higher and offer up one of their core pieces instead of just trying to get the 23 pick from Portland, getting the three pick from Portland. If you sound pretty convinced that they're going to trade that piece to try and get win-now talent around Dame, like, does the name DeMar DeRozan do anything for the Blazers? And would that yield them coughing up that number three pick, or would it have to be more than DeMar? So I, th- I, think, I think what you're describing is DeMar plus the Blazers pick next year for the third pick. Right. Right, so that you, you, the Blazers would re- regain their future flexibility. Give them that pick back, and give a, them DeMar. star, and still maybe have the flexibility to go out and say we've got now all of our future picks, 25, 27, 29, that we could attach to Simons and Nurkic to get, you know, a fourth guy next to Jeremy Grant and DeMar and Dame, obviously. I think they're aiming a little bit higher than yeah. any of the guys on the Bulls roster that could be in play for the pick. I think. We're talking when we're talking about higher than All Star Demar Derozan, second team All NBA last year Demar Derozan. I will say this: Dame and Demar are, are friends. Yeah. Like Demar was at Dame's wedding. Like they have a relationship. I don't think Dame would be upset to have Demar on the team. But at his age, and the fact that Nick, this coming season is the, is last, the last year on of his, his contract. Deal. When I say they're going to try to shop the pick for win now talent, I think they're thinking more in line with like. Mikhail Bridges, if they can convince Brooklyn to give him up, or if Boston decides not to pay Jalen Brown, then maybe Jalen Brown, right. or like so. if Toronto decides to go young, maybe go get Pascal Siak. That's kind of where they're looking. I think they're aiming a little bit higher than like Demar so like, Rosen or Zach Levine, like star caliber talent that is mid twenties entering their prime. Kind the way of talent. the way the way I think they feel about their roster is Dame is still. I know he's going to be 33 at the start of this season, but 
he is still at the level that he's at. He just had arguably the best year of his career. He made third team All-NBA. He probably would have made second or first team if the team had a better record. So he's still at the level that he's at. He's still clearly a number one guy. Jeremy Grant, who they're going to re-sign, is a, is a great number three on a good team. Yeah. They don't have a number two. Anthony Simons isn't quite that guy, and I fully expect that Simons is going to be with the third pick in whatever this package is that they move. You think they're going to send Simons yes. as part of that deal? Yes, because... you got to get some they, salary in there. They, a, the salary, and B, I think they knew going into the second half of the season that they were going to have to decide long-term between Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp. And then I think over the last month of the season, Shaden kind of made that decision for them. So... They, so I think I think they feel like you know they they have the number one with Dame. They have the number three with Jeremy. If you can get you know Mikhail Bridges or Pascal Siakam or somebody like that as your number two with that third pick at Simons and whatever else salary right. wise you have to throw in, I think that's more what they're kind of looking at. I don't think I don't think Demar at his age really you know moves the needle for them. I don't think Zach Levine with his multiple that's where I was about to contract go. contract see. and multiple knee surgeries. Well, like, okay. Well, because I see people in the comments talking about it. Well, like, if not DeMar, then offer up Zach, who, younger than DeMar, entering his prime, and has multiple years of uh, contract left. I think the, the, the surgeries thing, like, he had a shaky, rusty start to this past season coming off that offseason knee surgery. Not even post-All-Star break. In, from December on, Zach Levine played, like, third-team All-NBA caliber offensive basketball. The guy that... If, I mean, maybe you're just saying it would give Portland pause with that like injury the, history. I don't think that's... I'll say this. I don't think more offensive guards who aren't good defenders is yeah. what they're looking for. If that's going that to be... Sense. If that's what you're doing, you might as well just keep Anthony Simons, who's making half as much money and doesn't have the injury history and is five years younger. Right. If that's the, if that's the way you're going to go, then you might as well just keep what you have going, which is obviously not what they're going to do. They're looking, basically, what they basically need, like, because Jeremy Grant was such a good fit last year. He was, like, the perfect guy to put next to Dame. But that's kind of the template of what they need. They need athletic wings who can defend multiple positions. They basically need more Jeremy Grants. Right. And that's why, like, a Mikhail Bridges or a Jalen Brown or a Pascal Siakam and, like, have a bunch of those types of guys who can switch and, you know, do different stuff. That is more, I think, what they're looking for than a Zach Levine or a DeMar DeRozan. And I think it just kind of fits more the archetype of the type of player that they're looking at. That and, that, and that makes sense. sense from the Blazers' perspective, too. Like, yeah. you, you've you got your offensive engine. You don't need to find necessarily another one. It's nice to have those buckets somewhere. But Dame's a top-five offense by himself, no matter who you put around him. Exactly. And, and you've he's got, coming off the best statistical season of his career, yeah. which is nuts. And the thing about him, and I think I said this last year, so he had that surgery and missed most of last season with the core muscle thing. That was a surgery that you get once and it just takes care of it. It's not like he was coming off a torn ACL or a torn Achilles where it's like nobody knows if he's going to be back. I think he clearly showed this year he is exactly, you know, he is the guy that he was before the surgery. And if anything, he's even better now. And I think they feel like he's going to age pretty well. Yeah. So they feel like he has at least another three or four years of being at the either at the level he's at or close to the level that he's at. I And so they're trying to maximize that. Yeah. Sorry, Will, were you going to add something to that? Yeah, I just think, you know, it, it's the sort of 3 and D mold and a guy like Mikhail Bridges who's sort of emerging as somebody who can get his own shot a little bit certainly helps. But I think the they've, they've played the experiment of like two undersized backcourt bucket getters. Yeah. And 
it got them to a certain level, but I think in order to get past that, they're going to need guys that can create their own shot, but also perimeter defenders to insulate around Dame and create like a, a more switchable, more versatile, spaced out lineup. Because you've got, you know, Matisse Tybel, who's a great defender, but he can't shoot at all. He's so, his shoot. The shooting got, he shot 36% from three on like, I don't have the number in front of me, but he, he had like three or four attempts per game since he got to Portland and shot 36%. Sure. But my point is like, you can't just have like defensive specialists who right. can hit a shot or Cam Reddish who can hit a shot but doesn't play any. Like you need to have guys that you can count on every day. Right. And like and Zach, I think, Zach, I think is a much better defender than given credit for, but it would not surprise me that he's not the first option that they try to go out and get. Now, maybe they strike out on a couple of different guys or, you know, who, who knows what happens, but I just don't think he'd be at the top of their list. I I don't, I after, don't see that as somebody they're interested in. Yeah. No. After arriving for Philly in that trade midseason, 22 games with the Blazers, Matisse Thibel, 38.8% from three on 3.9 attempts per game. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, that is better that's than I would have guessed. Because you play next to Dame and you're just going to have open catch and shoot looks. Mm -hmm. You don't really have to do anything as far as creation. Um, that's Patrick Williams' numbers. Yeah. Yee! Uh, before we take our next break here, Sean, it, I mean, it sounds like the Bulls getting involved uh, with, with the Blazers to, to get that number three pick and make a, a swift change of direction if you're the Bulls is a bit of a pipe dream right now based on what the Blazers are looking for. If the making a deal with that Knicks pick is still on the table so that Portland can then do other things, how do you see that trade being built from either side, from the Blazers' side, if they are ready to close that trade chapter with the Bulls to free themselves up to make other moves, what do the Blazers want out of that trade that would give the Bulls that first-round pick? It depends on what they need for other trades. Like, if they have an opportunity to trade for somebody of the level that they are trying to trade for and they need multiple future picks, then you have to go to the Bulls and say, hey, can we work something out? And maybe that involves the Knicks pick or maybe that – because they, they have, like, six second-round picks and maybe they offer the Bulls, like, a pile of second-rounders for their picks back or something like that. Like, that was definitely the popular move of the deadline this season. Yeah, and that, 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 that's, why, that's why they traded for, you know, a bunch of second-round picks mm -hmm. so that they have those to offer in trades. But if they need those picks, then they might go to the Bulls and say, hey, can we work something out? But I think moving up from five to three – and the increase in value of that pick makes it more likely that they can get whatever big name star trade or second star trade done without involving future picks. You might be able to just trade the third pick plus Simons plus whatever salary for somebody right. without having to involve any future picks. And then maybe that makes them more inclined to hang on to that 23 Knicks pick because they want to add their own young talent in the draft. Well, yes, I think I don't think they're going to give up. I don't think they're going to give away that Knicks pick unless they have to, unless they need, unless like, and I can't even think of who it would be that they would give up like three or four first rounders for in this market. Like, let's say, I, the only one I can think of is let's say there's some world where like this situation in Philly falls apart and like Joel Embiid comes available. Right. And you offer yeah. like Simon Sharp and all the picks. You need the pick back to do that, but like. If you have the number three pick in a draft where every now that you know exactly where the pick lands and it's mm -hmm. a pretty valuable pick in this particular draft, mm -hmm. they might be able to get something done without even using any of the future picks. And at that point, you just kind of let it ride and then you plan on making the playoffs next year and just conveying the pick to the Bulls as it normally would have. Right. Yeah, that thought occurred to me too over the last 24 hours. And 
it's interesting because now, as good as it is for the Blazers to have jumped up, I think, whereas the Bulls had some leverage, now they might be in a position where they, they don't even have the ability, because of what you just mentioned, that the value of three versus five in this draft is so great that you could get something really, you know, important to your franchise and like a really good player without having to dip into your future assets. Right. And maybe at some point you still want to, the Blazers still want to accumulate um, and send out a bunch of picks to get a fourth guy or a third guy or whatever. Sure, yeah. So maybe at that point they do something. But um, I, I do think there's a world where this is, it, it means that this is less likely that the Bulls are able to get something out of the Blazers for that pick back, which would be tough. But at the same time, it's like, what, where does it, what does it say about oh, your franchise God. when the most hopeful thing that there is is like... Draft pick minutia. Like pick but protection. But not even minutia. Pr- like, pick protection negotiations. Can you, can you negotiate something like, to yeah, get out of a future pick? It's, like, a, it's, it's a bad spot. And it's a rough spot to be in, yeah. Um, great. Well, that puts me in a fantastic mood. Um, but, I mean, there's, it's hard to, to see the, the reality of the situation any other way. Uh, you know, I, I think Bulls fans were maybe holding out some hope that they could get back into the first round of this pretty talented draft class because of that situation in Portland and the fact that they're trying to build a win-now team around Dame and would need to close that tra- trade in order to do so. But now, yeah, maybe that, that leverage the Bulls briefly had is now gone after last night's lottery results. There's a sobering reality. Uh, all right, let's take one more quick break. We'll come back to wrap up with uh, where the hell the Bulls go from here. Uh, Will, you, you posed a pretty... Pretty daunting question on Twitter last night that had me in my feels. So we'll talk about that to to round out the show coming up next. But first, Will, tell the people who never quite understood. They never understood. Never understood. And what I never understood is why these lights on our set are so So bright. So damn bright. They are so bright. We got new ones a while back and they're better. Salting my retinas. But, oh my goodness, (laughs) I need some shades to wear. And although I don't have them on my person right now, you know I'm going straight to Shady Rays. Is Matt walking off the set to get out. some shades to he's, give you? He's going, to, he's going to hook it up for me. Because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather, inside, outside, on set, in studio, or on Lake Michigan, or on the 606, whatever you're doing, Shady Rays has you covered. They're an independent sunglass company that offers world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. They have durable frames and optical clarity. That was my favorite line from the old ad that they didn't include in the in the newer version. Sustainable shades for every lifestyle and every something. Oh, and a tag. Is that what you got on right now, Matt? Is that some shady rays? Shady rays, baby. Where's my pair? You got to hook it up. I'm a guess. Where's the hospitality? Come on, man. Uh, I wanna, I want, yeah, those look, those look sick. I want to get some of those. They're, they're great. Try them out. Use the promo code. I might have get, to use the CHGO promo code. get two code. for one, baby. Might and have to even better, if you lose or break them, they've got an insane protection program for every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacement plan. So if you lose or break a pair, even on day one, Shady Rays told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. So... Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Pairs of polarized sunglasses. <laughs> Try for yourself the shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people. There's also a special Memorial Day sale going on from 
525. Ooh. That's next week to 531, end of the month. Hell yeah. Over Memorial Day. So if you're waiting up for a little extra savings, go to ShadyRace.com for 35% off all sunglasses. Sale on top of a discount promo Sale code? Sale on top of a discount. But that's next week for Memorial Day. For now, if you just can't wait, ShadyRace.com, promo code CHGO, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Shady Rays, where the rays are. Oh, so damn shady, as Dave would say. Oh, so damn shady. <laughs> hey, uh, Uncle Joseph, I got a question for you. What time is it? Game time, who? That's right! Check out the Game Time app, all you people in Chicago looking to go to games this summer, concerts this summer. God, I am so excited for Chicago summer. We're so close, y'all. We're so close. I love going to Wrigley. I love going to concerts at Northerly Island. And whatever you feel like doing this summer, I bet you you can find tickets for it at wonderfully low prices on the Game Time app. Find tickets to your favorite event. Shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater shows near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you're going to have in Chicago this summer. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for a lower price somewhere else, game time will credit you 110% of the difference on those ticket prices. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason, y'all. You can also get images of your seat before you buy, which is a feature that I love, need to have it. If I'm going to the madhouse, I want to see exactly which chair I'm sitting in and the view of the court from there. And game time lets you do that. Buy tickets a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never dig through your email. So here's what you do. Snag the ticket without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use promo code. That's right, CHGO, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem discount with promo code CHGO, 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Game time, who? <sighs> that just got me so excited for summertime. We're Concerts, so close. That's not, that's, games. that's not a big Dave level ad read, but that was also a good, solid performance. I do what I can. I do what I can, Sean. There's only so much, there's only a certain level that you can get to. It's almost like we should just like remove the Big Dave thing from the equation and like you can't even compare anything to Big Dave. It's right. Like, it's, he's on it's the It's like comparing curve. other draft prospects in this draft to Wemby. It's right. like we're not discussing who yeah. the number one overall pick or, is going to you know, be, like as we all know. Comparing Denzel Valentine to Michael freaking Jordan. You just don't do it. Well, I didn't really see sense. Red Fred. Give is yourself here. some credit. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I, that is the first and last time I'll ever compare myself to Denzel Valentine. <laughs> Oh, man. Remember those days? You were covering the beat then, John. I was. The what? The greatest, one of the maybe top, I don't have the whole list off the top of my head. I'd have to go through my like memory banks to do it. But one of the top five post-game quotes I've ever been a witness to was the uh, when the Bulls won the Summer League Championship. In oh, 20, yeah. What was it, 15 or 16, whatever year that mm -hmm. was? And Denzel hits the game-winning shot in the Summer League Championship game. I was out in Vegas for that. 
and we asked him at the end, like, what is every, what, what do you say when people say, oh, it's just summer league? It doesn't matter. And he says, anybody who says that has never won has the summer league. Never won the summer league championship. Just, oh my a, God. just, a, uh, just a tremendous <laughs> quote. Uh, I he, like, I like Denzel. He's a nice guy. Just you know, I'm, shout out to C Red Fred. That's as he, he's still a believer. He still thinks Denzel's just the right situation away from being a future all star. <laughs> Cost me a lot in March Madness. <clears throat> His final year at Michigan State. Denzel did first yeah. bucket. No, he he blew it against <laughs> mi- Middle Tennessee State. I'm pretty. I think. I think he that's exactly how it happened. At the collegiate level, he was a bona fide winner. The next, yeah, he was a good player. Level. I don't think they yeah. ever. They he was a bona fide winner. Next Draymond. Do you think he had himself a championship ring made for that summer league team? Because now, as of like last, last year, year they, they actually just, are making rings for the summer league champs. They just made that the first time. And by the way, who was the first summer league champion that got the rings? The Portland Trailblazers. There you go. And I was. It was actually funny because so Bobby Portis was on that twenty. 20- he was sixteen summer league championship team, and yeah, I, I I know Bobby quite well. He's I I actually just saw him a couple months ago when Milwaukee came to Portland. He's you know that's Flex. but so anyway, like when they first unveiled the championship ring, Malika Andrews from ESPN posted it on her Instagram of like her wearing the ring I like, as like the model, and yeah. Bobby posted in the in the comments on Malika's post, "I need my ring from 2015." It's like Bobby, dude, you have an championship ring with the Bucks. You do not you need do. to be trying to get a summer you league championship. You have a like, key to the city of yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, you're like, you're like, they have like the Bobby, Bobby, cha- you're like, you're like, I mean, obviously like it's Giannis's team, but like the ki- the oh, people's, dude. the people's champ in Milwaukee Fandom? is Bobby Portis. Like he is the that's champ. the dude. And he, yeah. you know, he's, you know, he has his own podcast now. He's got his, you know, he's got to move that Sweetwater movie he was just in. He's doing his thing. Why is he still worrying about a summer league championship he ring? Be. He got paid. He's, 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 he's I'm happy a good for Bobby. Life. He's a good dude. Yeah, I, I'm, Bobby, yeah, Bobby's I one of the players I was coolest with on a beat that I've been on. I he's a good dude. Want nothing but good things for that guy. Um, all right, with our remaining time, let's uh, talk about this uh, deep pile of shit the Bulls are in, and how it got <laughs> even deeper last night. One way of putting it. Uh, Will, you had a tweet last night as I was uh, doing my last scrolls of the night on Twitter. <laughs> Joey, do you have a screenshot of that tweet that we could share with our uh, viewing audience? There, I was getting in bed. I was thinking dark thoughts. These are dark I, thoughts. I literally just I typed this on my phone. Oh, that's rough. You missed the I playoffs. Missed I missed this tweet. You have that's no brutal. pick this year. No cap space. Can't spend into the tax. Vooch, age thirty-three season, maybe walking for nothing. Demar, age thirty-four season, is a free agent next summer. Lonzo ain't walking through that door. Your AK, how do you fix this? I typed it up on my phone. I pressed send. I turned off my phone and went to sleep. Dude, I didn't even look. That's one of those. You tighten the tweet out and then grenade. turn off notifications. <laughs> it was a mic drop. That is a grenade into Bulls Twitter and then turning your phone off for the night. That's 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 cold. Will. You got to send that tweet right before you get on an airplane and put your phone on airplane mode for four hours and then just come back and see what the wreckage is. And it kind of yeah. went off. But I'll say, like, the reason I, I said this was not to criticize AK, but more to try to, like, empathize with him because I think this situation is really difficult to maneuver. And I don't think he's just like doing nothing to like do nothing. Like, I think, I think he would like to try to figure out a way out of this, but like the, the fact of the matter is it's a tough spot to be in and there aren't a lot of good options. And he's maybe put himself in this situation with other moves that worked. Some worked out, some didn't obviously Lonzo's situation kind of, a wrench into the entire plan you saw the outline of the vision and why it could have worked and the fact that it did work 
So it's not like it was a terrible idea from day one, but the fact of the matter is Lonzo is not coming back. This is the situation you're in and you can't just like continue to sit on your hands. But if you're AK, like these are the circumstances. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? And, and that's, I think, where the frustration from the fan base comes from that's valid. I, like, I don't have time in my day to listen to those Bulls fans on Twitter who are like, AK's the worst executive in the history of sport. He sucks. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't have a brain. Stop. He has built himself into a pretty tricky corner here, though. There's no denying that. And the frustration that's valid is the inaction that has come at three different windows where action was possible. Between last season's trade deadline, where they said we like our group and we're healthy and stuck with it. The offseason, where they said we like our group when, our, when we're healthy and we're sticking with it. And they told us last offseason when a lot of Bulls fans were skeptical, Lonzo will come back. We got this group. We like this group. Then at this year's trade deadline. So a lot of Bulls fans, that was not necessarily the final straw, but the biggest and most frustrating WTF. Were, were you surprised, you know, looking from an outsider's perspective, Sean, that the Bulls just continued to double down on continuity throughout the past year and a half after the Lonzo injury? Well, how much of this was Arturis and how much of this was... Uh... Oh, the upstairs people? Well, that's kind of the vibe that I've always gotten is because a lot of the same, and I mean... The credibility that Arturis had, I remember a few years ago when he took the job, when they made the change from the old regime, and the credibility that he had from like what they had built Denver into, I, him and Tim Connolly. Mm -hmm. And it's really a lot of the same problems. That makes me wonder how much of it is him and how much of this is just never going to change until the ownership situation changes. That's kind of how I... But I mean, as far as how I see where this Bulls team is at and the position that they're in... I don't know how you get out of it, but I can. I, I don't know how popular. I mean, you guys have a better pulse on like what the feeling of the fan base is than I do because I'm not in it every day anymore. As an outsider, I understood a lot of what they were trying to do over the last few years. I understood why they did the Vucevic trade. I understood that they felt like okay, we need to show that we're a respectable organization. We're willing to actually trade for good players and try to win and try to be competitive. Like, I understood mm -hmm. what they were trying to do. I thought the Lonzo thing made sense, and obviously he was incredible for that half season that he was healthy before the knee stuff happened. I think, you know, DeMar, since they brought him in, he's the one guy in this whole thing that he has been exactly what they brought him in to do. Incredible. He's the one guy that you basically can have no complaints about, whether it be, like, the how good he's been on the court, but also, like, the locker room stuff, the culture stuff. Yeah. Zach is what he is. He's a very good offensive player. I don't know if he's, you know, the guy that you pay what they paid him to. Like, I, I, but, but, like, again, but also, again, but as far again, as, you know, speaking of building yourself into a corner, they had no better option no, than I know, to sign that's, Zach I mean, that's the summer. thing, like, because if you let him go, then you just don't have, it's not like you suddenly have $40 million in cap space to replace him. So I right. totally get why they did what they did. The thing is, they just, they made a bunch of bets, and there is a world where Lonzo stays healthy and the team that they were for the first half of last season where everything was working perfectly, Vucevic uh, you know, was in good spots to be successful, Caruso's a great fit, uh, all, you know, all this stuff, if Lonzo stays healthy and, you know, and, you know, Levine, I know, had some stuff, you know, injury stuff at some point last year too. I, I don't have the particulars off the top of my head, but that team is a top four seed. You're in a different shape. But, like, they made some bets, and part of making bets, and you guys know this as, you know, Draft, you know, it made some bets on DraftKings, if you draft will, 
sometimes bets pay off, sometimes they don't. And a mm-hmm. couple of the bets that they made off, Vucevic, I mean, Vucevic has been good, but he has not been trade three first-round picks for him good. He hasn't been the dude that they thought he would be when they traded for him. And then Lonzo was as advertised when they signed him, and then his knees fell apart, and his career is probably over, unfortunately. Okay, mm-hmm. so like, as soon as, like, first of all, he had the first knee surgery 18 months ago, and he's still not able to run. That's not great. And then the most recent one that he had, the most recent one that he had, they called it a a cartilage transplant. And as soon as the word transplant showed up, I was just like, okay, this is a wrap. Like I've Mm -hmm. seen, I've seen this. You want to circle back to the draft lottery. Who was on stage for the Blazers last night? Brandon Roy. That's that's who I keep coming back to with Lonzo, which sucks because he was so. When they signed him, that was a the thinking behind that signing was great because and and you know what he was able to do and he, he's like the perfect guy to put next to Zach he gets yeah. the offense going he can hit a three he's a great defender him and Caruso together defensively was a great combination on the perimeter they made all of these bets and you can see why they made the bets and you can see what the thinking was and then just a bunch of them haven't worked out and now they're kind of stuck anything to add will <laughs> i just i guess the point of that tweet and i think the framework that we, we need to start thinking about this through is that there probably isn't a fix-all solution that our tourists can just go to. Like, it's going to have to be a bunch of small wins on the margins. It's going to have to be patience and probably, you know, realistic expectations that, like, the next two or three years... Because they still owe a pick in 2025. Like, they're not out of the woods right that's now. To San, that's for the DeMar trade, right? For San Correct. Antonio. Um, it's, I, I think like the reason we have been talking about like tear it down, blow it up is because that's like the one way that you can think about bringing in an infusion of young talent and draft capital mm-hmm. while clearing out some space on your cap sheet. That's like the one way to do it. But if the parameters that he's, that he is being assigned to work within are win now and don't go into the tax. Like, how can you justify trading away Damar or Zach? Yeah. If you're you Arturis, you can't do that. Can't. So there's not like an argument because you have to run everything through ownership. You can't just like press And my guess is that trade. ownership is not too keen on the idea that I've seen a lot of Bulls fans say in the comments today. And I saw a lot of them saying in the comments last night during the lottery. A lot of Bulls fans are done with this experiment and want them to blow it up and start over. I think it's fair to feel that way based on what we watched this season and with all educated educated information we have at our disposal, knowing that Lonzo, as you said, and your tweet will, is not walking through that door. And DeMar's a year older, and Vooch is a year older, and Vooch is expiring, and who the hell is going to be this team's point guard next season? It's fair to say that they should blow it up. I would be shocked if they get the green light to do so, even if AK and Eversley, his right-hand man, decide that that's what they want to do. I would be shocked if they get that green light from ownership. Because they went through four or five seasons, whatever it was, of terrible teams rebuilding that went nowhere. And the UC finally started to get empty because fans were sick of it. I don't know if they want to do that again, but I don't know. Maybe they'll be dealing with that next season anyway. Because if they run this back, I can't imagine the UC is going to be full every night. That's the only way that anything is going to change is if people don't show up. And people, I mean, that's why they made the front office changes that they made. Because the last time time that I was in Chicago before COVID... Was the All Star Game, yeah, in in Chicago, and like it was like it was like a month before the whole world shut down. And I remember the most news that the Bulls made. I mean, 
I thought the city did, and you, you know, I see Matt. I see you wearing the shirt. Wearing I the have the, shirt I right have now, the, yeah. I have, I don't have it with me, but I have the hat. I have one of the jackets. I had a great time that weekend. The city, I Fun think, did, I think the city did an incredible job hosting the event mm-hmm. and showing, like, you know, having all these different events all over the course of the city, showing off the whole culture, showing off like the basketball roots of the city. It was an incredible weekend. It was one of the best All Star weekends I've ever went to in terms of like how well the city hosted the event. There was no buzz whatsoever about the Bulls. The most news, there were a lot of jokes. <laughs> the most news that the Bulls made that entire weekend was when Zach went on first take, and there were fans in the background chanting "Fire Gar Packs." And he mm-hmm. said he so would love to play with LeBron. <laughs> they embar- the Bulls were embarrassed on a national stage while they their city while they and their city were mm-hmm. hosting the event, and that was what got the got the ownership to finally say okay this owner this front office isn't it we need to do something that, different coupled with the fact that towards the back end of that 1920 season the united center was barely full yeah. never i mean like never full it, it like i've never seen the united center that empty in my life as a bulls fan as much as i saw it that 1920 season even even like the, the immediate post dynasty rebuild years when they were terrible bulls fans still packed that place out of obsession and goodwill they they hit zero on their gas tank of goodwill at the end of that 1920 season, and Bulls fans stopped showing up entirely. Will are they gonna are they gonna resign Kobe? I would imagine so. How much do you think that's gonna be? Um, my guess would be in the 11 to 14 million dollar range. So like mid level type money. Yep, that's not terrible. Well, he had a really good one year. one of the few the, things they have at their disposal. He had a good season. he had a good year. He, had a he good did. Year. He did. He did. And they'll have some space, but the point is like. Unless they make a dramatic move, it's going to be hard to make any moves. And it doesn't seem like they're going to make a big dramatic move. So it's a tough spot to be in. Obviously, like working something out with the Blazers would be nice. It'd be an, sort of a, a logical way to bring in some talent to get a draft pick. And that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on here today to talk about that. Um, but it's it's a tricky spot to be in. And unfortunately, like I do think running it back is on the table. Like I, I think... We had been under the impression that if they missed the play in, if they missed the playoffs, that there had to be some changes. And while I think that might be true still, what can you really do if this is the parameters that you're working with? And I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying that I agree with it, but this is the reality. And so how do you work within those confines and what decisions can you make to try to improve your situation? Well, I'm glad I don't have that job. Let's put it that way. Those guys I, make a hell of a lot more money than we do to make these decisions. That is true. That is true. But, yeah, when I saw that tweet of yours last night, Will, and it ended with just, if you're AK, how do and you I fix this? And I loved your this? response, which was reaching for a beer on the floor. <laughs> what kind of beer? With, with the, with the, Too silent, of course. Yeah, well, of course I was reaching for a beer. There was also something written on my shirt that was the reason I screenshotted it there. I don't know if you oh, caught that, that detail of the shirt. Because that's how I would fix it. It um, said, sell the team, Will. I was wearing a shirt that said self I missed that. I just saw the beer, which I also thought was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that always helps, too. Uh, that's it. We are out of time. Sean, thank you so much for stopping by. Always good to see you, buddy. Always good Hope to you enjoy you the rest guys. of your time here uh, in Chicago for the Combine. Uh, if you are curious about what the Blazers are going to do this offseason, check it out, the Rose Garden Report. You can find a link to it on his Twitter account. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Hiking, uh, Athletic Chicago, Locked on Pools. 
Been around a long time. Always good to see him here in studio. Uh, you can follow Will on Twitter, Will underscore Gottlieb. Check out his latest coverage of the lottery last night, allchgo.com. Oh, can I plug the uh, draft yes, thing real I, quick? Absolutely. I was going to do it for you, but you do it. Oh, I thought you were no, going to skip over it. it. Um, you made it. You do it. Big, big project that I've been working on, released today, draft database. Ton of stats, ton of info. We got synergy information. We got per 36 scoring. We've got... Munergy? Munergy. We've got savings, HVAC, Goose <laughs> Island, Shady Rays, um, you know, defensive stats, playmaking stats, everything you'd want in there, video breakdowns, my notes, strengths, weaknesses, areas for improvement, player comps, where I think they would fit best in the draft. Um, ton, ton, ton of information in there. It's really worth going to check out for subscribers only so make sure you sign up to be a diehard at allchgo.com this i know the bulls don't have a pick maybe they get in in the 20s but if you love the draft which i do it's a very cool resource i'll tell you what will the team that i cover has a couple of draft picks i'm gonna have to check this out and actually you will have because i I, i'm gonna be fully honest with you guys i watch zero college basketball i know who the number one pick is gonna be i have a pretty good idea of who two and three are gonna be in some order I don't really have anything for you beyond that. So I'm I'm in the process now of doing my own research and getting information from people whose views on basketball and on this stuff I trust. So I am definitely going to check it. Check, the check out, out your, this guy's work. I was looking at it earlier today. It's incredible. Go to allchgo.com or allchgo.com slash diehard to become a diehard first and then check it out. Incredible, incredible stuff from Will. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, 4 o'clock Chicago time. And, uh, and then they'll have an HQ for y'all on uh, Friday. Friday morning. There it is. Uh, until tomorrow, thanks for tuning in. Hit the thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to CHGO Sports. We got Cubs and White Sox action again tonight. First pitches just after 7 o'clock local time. They'll be here for postgame after that. Shout out and thanks to our pal and producer, Joey. We'll talk to y'all tomorrow. See you, Red. Be good.